with Scott Allen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in this beautiful world. I am your host, Scott J. Allen, and this is Phrenesis, Practical Wisdom for Leaders. Now, I am a professor of management at John Carroll University in Cleveland, Ohio, USA. In addition, I'm a husband and father of three teens. Now, this is a family endeavor. Will played the intro, Kate voiced the intro, and who knows, you may hear from Emily a little later. I'm also an author, entrepreneur, speaker, and co-founder of the Collegiate Leadership Competition. I love to travel, explore new places with family, and learn from others. Phronesis offers a smart, fast-paced discussion about all things leadership and followership, if we're honest. My guests are scholars and practitioners, and we cover relevant topics and incorporate practical tips designed to help you make a difference in how you lead and live. I am proud to share a few updates. According to Listen Notes, Phronesis is listed as among the top 3% of podcasts in the world because of you. So thank you. In addition, the podcast has two sponsors. First, Phronesis is the official podcast of the International Leadership Association, an association that is near and dear to my heart. ILA brings together leaders and those who teach, study, and develop leadership, advancing leadership knowledge and practice for a better world. Learn more at ila-net.org. My second sponsor is the Bowler College of Business at John Carroll University. At Bowler, we offer several advanced degrees and MBAs, and I'm confident that there's one that will fit your location, interests, and timeline. In fact, our online MBA is ranked as the number one in Ohio and number nine in the United States. We offer international study tours, a contemporary and forward-looking curriculum, and access to senior leaders and flagship organizations. Learn more at business.jcu.edu. You can find links to both sponsors in the show notes. Now, if you like what we're up to, please hit subscribe so you can stay current as we release new episodes each week. You can also share what we're up to with others, friends, colleagues, leaders, teams, students, and others you think will benefit. And now, today's show. Okay, everybody, welcome to the Phronesis Podcast. This is episode 150. And probably at about like episode 87, Tony Middlebrooks looked at me and said, has anyone interviewed you yet? And I kind of filed that back and repressed the thought. And, you know, I saw him a few weeks back at the ILA conference. And you know what? I said, hey, let's try this. Let's provide an opportunity to reflect on what 150 episodes has looked like. Of course, he has been a guest and he is a clinical professor of leadership at the University of Florida. He spent 17 years at the University of Delaware. He is a co-author of mine, a good friend, a mentor. I was talking about a session he used to do at the ILA about completing your dissertation. And I just thought, oh, Tony Middlebrooks, he is a he is a god of all things dissertations. I love this. I was so impressed. And then I got to know him, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't stand on the pedestal, Scott, you don't fall off it. <laughs> Tony, I have a quick funny story to tell you, which kind of yes, sums sir. everything up for our whole conversation. So a friend of mine pulled me aside at the conference when we were at the ILA and wanted to have this kind of intense conversation about Phrenesis and the, the origin of the name. And he started talking about Sophia and we started getting really kind of deep into wisdom dialogue. And so he spoke for probably about seven to 10 minutes, squatted in a room and we were talking. So he got done with his 10 minutes and asked me this kind of very insightful question about wisdom. And I had to look at him and say, you know what? 
I've always liked just the phrase practical wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know Aristotle well. And you know what? There was really no intentional thought behind the name other than I wanted it to be about practical wisdom. And and you could see him get just a little bit disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I can tell you 150 episodes is probably cause for just a little bit more gray hair. There's your practical wisdom. <laughs> exactly. So I had to let him down and say, you know what? I, I'm not an expert in wisdom, but I'm, I I ended the conversation by saying, hey, you know what? If you want to come out and talk wisdom, we'd love to hear from you. So we'll see if he chooses to do that. But yes. uh, yeah, so today, you know, you are kind of in the driver's seat and you are going to, uh, we're going to turn the tables a little bit and, you know, I will, I'll turn it over to you and we'll see. I, I'm actually, I never get anxious for this, but I was a little bit anxious for this today. So I'm excited to see where the conversation Whoa. goes. Good. Yeah. And you, you definitely are in the uh, passenger seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I prepared quite a few questions because frankly, 150 times, you know, 30, 40 minutes of conversation and wisdom with folks who are very well accomplished in this field, there's got to be lots and lots of interesting stuff in there. And so we'll see what we can... Uh, pull out in the next 40 minutes. I'd kind of like to ask you the most important question right up front, which is if Wheaties is the breakfast of champions, what is the breakfast of leaders, Scott Allen? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That would be Cocoa Puffs, Tony. Yes! Or Cookie Crisp, right? (laughs) What was going on in the 70s when I was growing up? You were probably a young child then as well. Cookies for breakfast. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oddly, I continue that trend. <laughs> I think no, that was a Jerry yeah, Seinfeld but... joke, right? <laughs> Cookies for breakfast, for real? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in, in all seriousness, the big reveal question, let's just put the big answer right up front. What would you call this episode? What is the big overall theme that came out of this adventure? Hmm. Overall theme. What would I call this ep- this episode? What would we call it? You know, the first thing that came to mind for me when, and uh, you know, you had sent me a couple of questions. Or w- you didn't send me that one though, Tony Middlebrooks. But one of my answers to one of them was stay curious. And I think that's, there's a word that I've just fallen in love with, which is curiosity. And there's so much in that word. And I think something that's really intimidating about this process, I, I'm not an expert in in all of these things yet. I think we feel like we should be. I thought entering this, you know, I've studied this stuff for 15, 20 years. I know about leadership, but Tony, it, I was in a conversation this morning recording a podcast and just going to school. I was on the bus, right? Wow. And it it was just an incredible learning experience. And so curiosity causes you to be vulnerable. It keeps you in a place of wonder. It helps you kind of explore. So I've just fallen in love with this word curiosity. Maybe I would call the podcast curiosity next time. That's stay curious, right? Nice. Very nice. Well, and interestingly, you know, one of one of my questions for long after the, the essential ones is this notion that in in leadership we often feel leadership educators practitioners scholars often feel compelled to be the expert right the little god we come into an organization and we give advice and we give guidance and from tim harford's ted talk 
about trial and error and the God complex, uh, it seems like around every corner, there's a leadership program or a consultant who has that answer for you, the yeah. answer. You know, I know you have lots of thoughts on the overall rise of leadership training, but I, I think the best answer is the one that you just gave, which is prompting ourselves to stay curious. So here's what I'm curious about. Give us the numbers. You know, 150 episodes. I got that. What else can you tell us about this grouping in mass of information that you gathered? This was actually kind of interesting. And it was a question that forced me to do a little bit of looking, not anything in great depth, but it was it was kind of telling some of the numbers here. You know, there's 150 episodes, roughly 62,000 downloads. Hmm. That's 50,000 from North America, 7,000 in Europe, 177 in South America, 1,830 in Oceania, and roughly 300 in Africa, 1,565 in Asia, right? Wow. So it's interesting. I mean, I think there's a lot of opportunity. I, I thought, wow, I mean, who are some folks in South America that I could be having conversations with? Africa, obviously an incredibly large continent with so much opportunity and so many wonderful things happening. So it really helped me frame, and I've had guests from Africa and I've had guests from South America, but obviously in no nowhere near to the level that we've had from North America or Europe. And I think it kind of, in some ways, models what we maybe see. It's a fractal of what we maybe see at the ILA, very U.S.-centric, then some mm -hmm. Europeans, some folks from Oceania, and then there's going to be smaller numbers from South America and Africa. So it's just interesting. That was Now, another kind of fun thing is 141 countries or territories. Wow. So that's something, that's something I really love saying to my girls, I really am having this little bit of an internal dialogue right now. Should I change the the theme song? Because the theme song was just developed. This is another, uh, you know, it was a pandemic project and we had a lot of time on our hands and I'd watched some videos about starting a podcast and all of them said, look, don't overthink your music. Don't overthink the title. Don't know. So I came up with practical wisdom. <laughs> That's good. You know, don't overthink your logo. Just go. And I'd gone to the to, to my daughters, who were probably, you know, nine or ten at the time, and just said, Hey, you want to make a theme song? And they said, Yes. And it kind of became an afternoon activity, <laughs> this silly little thing. Well, you know, it's kind of fun. It's interesting. But 141 countries, it's fun to to let the girls know that their voice is being heard all around the world as people consume and take in the content from these just incredible people that I've had a chance to speak with, right? Yeah. Have you um, pulled out a, a world map and kind of put a few pins in there to give them a geography lesson? We should. We should. <laughs> I have not. <laughs> That's kind of a professory thing to do. Yeah. So most people took on sourdough. You decided to take on a podcast, a little tougher to quit. And and I, I'll be honest, I'm very impressed with your longevity. I mean, it is a lot of work that requires consistent dedication. And, and they're a lot of fun to listen to, of course. But Enough about your praises. Uh, you. Let's talk about your learnings. Yeah. So tell me some themes that kind of in the general sense seem to emerge across the many interviews. We'll, we'll get into the, the weeds a little bit later, but for now, what, what are some of the ones that maybe surprised you as emergent themes and then, and then some of the ones you were expecting? Sure. You know, the overarching theme, I guess, Tony, and I, I don't really know how to put this into words yet, 
But the podcast, in some ways, I have a friend who's become a mentor because of this podcast. So he reached out. He was a listener. We now speak every two weeks, roughly. Wow. I mean, just an incredible guy. And and we we dialogue a lot. And he loves the podcast. And one thing that he also says about the podcast is, you know, it's all over the place. And 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 leadership is kind of all over the place. You know, I had an episode, a couple episodes, great conversation. Uh, with Andrew Tarvin, humor that works. So we talked about comedy and you can talk about shadow sides and you can talk about Abraham Lincoln and you can talk about adult learning and adult development and DEI. And you can talk about so many different transfer of training. You can talk about so many different topics, teams. And when I look at those different topics, it, it really does. So the whole, and that's really what I can kind of think the master project is here for me to try and get a better understanding of the major pieces, the big pieces that we have to have on our radar to be successful in doing this work. Is that the expertise literature, right? That's another little nook and cranny that we've gone down. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think that's probably the largest theme is from week to week. I hope listeners appreciate the variety, but the variety can also be a little bit of the challenge because there's just so much. Now, obviously, with world events and events that are central to the United States, things like um, George Floyd's death, his murder, that definitely has been a theme when it comes to the topic of diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, as we wrote our most recent second edition of the textbook, Tony, that that emerged very much more as a theme and something that we focused on. And and even I'm I'm kind of amazed, Tony, at as I look back at some of my old classes or even some of the content of our textbook as we were revising, we probably weren't doing a great job of of honoring people from different cultures, different ethnicities, different genders in the ways that we need to. I was kind of brought up under this you know, hey, these are the leaders and these are the examples and and kind of unaware and not putting a critical eye to some of that. So I think that's something that very much is a theme and has come on the radar in a way that I wasn't necessarily expecting. I think this topic, you and I were talking about this before we started. I don't know that eight years ago, we would have had followership on our tongues the way that we do now. I don't right. think that would have been a theme. I don't think that and I don't know if this is just my own interest or if it's truly a theme, but I've had a lot of episodes around adult development hmm. and some of this thinking around if if you have an individual with more evolved levels of mental complexity, they, you know, this is the 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 Robert Keegan in over our heads. If we have people who are thinking at elevated levels of mental complexity and making sense of systems and and holding competing values, dialectical thinking, will they be will they be more successful in these pretty gnarly roles? Right. Mm -hmm. So the the work of of Eigel and Kunert and Robert Keegan and Bill Torbert, that's and I have a whole series that's going to be coming out that with Jonathan Reams, where we really start exploring that topic in depth as just another nook and cranny of this whole conversation. So I think those are some of the themes with the larger theme of how do we make sense of this and what are the most important pieces? Because I think that has re very real ramifications, Tony, for education. 
Right. So it, it's in many ways this balance between trying to, for you as a leadership educator, practitioner, individual who is suddenly in a leader position, to try to wrestle with that, on the one hand, best fit, and on the other hand, those foundational pieces that maybe apply to everyone. Well, and, um, and here's something that I, I, I have, again, I don't have a perfect example here. Maybe we could go with a surgeon or a pilot. And even those are imperfect because there just simply aren't the number of variables that exist when you have someone in a position of authority and say, you know, a Fortune 500 organization or a large nonprofit. But I go back to, and, and we've had some conversations about this and push back on this. I mean, I think it's when I'm going to try and become a pilot, there's a very clear scaffolding process. And when I'm going to become a surgeon, I don't start with hearts. But the first time I touch something, I'm probably on a gallbladder. And then it's about a decade of really intensive education and training that goes into me being in the right seat or the, the left seat of the 747, or me actually conducting this heart surgery. And then even there, you can start elevating. For me, it feels like at times, People are walking into the conversation trying to have 747-type conversations before people have even flown a Cessna. And it's all over the place. And people don't have the, the scaffolding. And so then I think it is totally confusing because just so we aren't clear ourselves on how we scaffold some of this. I go back to the Snowden and Boone. I had them on the podcast, and it was a really fun conversation. But they have that famous HBR article, and they talk about four different types of problems that leaders face, simple, mm -hmm. complicated, complex, and chaotic. Well, you have a different set of tools and, and knowledge that is going to help you in each of those four categories. And of course, I'm simplifying here, and that's simplifying, but it feels like we're all over the place. And there isn't a sense to how we're scaffolding this topic. A great observation. And as you, as you mentioned, because there's such a wide variety of folks that you've talked to and the approaches and perspectives they've taken, that can be really overwhelming for anyone who, you know, I'm in a new leadership position and here's a zillion books and a zillion podcasts and a zillion pieces of advice. And yeah. how to kind of wade through all that. And, and as you said, scaffold it or or at least figure out a way to say, here's the basics. Let's start with the basics, and then you can pick your path. Well, I often think, Tony, and this is a real concern, and so I've tried to invite practitioners to the podcast who maybe don't have a PhD in leadership, because I don't know that the average, this is another maybe theme, I don't know that the average leader would find this podcast as practical wisdom. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> well, I mean, next one fifty. I, I think they could. I think they could really. I think it's. I think it'd be valuable for them to listen to the conversations. I totally do. But yeah. again, some of these conversations, I'm entering at the deep end. I'm swimming and trying to stay afloat. And again, I can see a mid-level manager at company Y or nonprofit G, and at some somewhere in the world. And it may not feel all that relevant to them, which I think, I don't know. I mean, that's another interesting thing about our work right now as academics that is our work feeling relevant. I, yes. had, I, had, on, I had on a practitioner 
few episodes back, a voracious learner. And this was just an interesting observation. His name is Ethan Braden, and I love Ethan, and he's awesome. As he was talking about his thought leaders, people he's consuming, uh, there was only one academic on that list. So have the KPMGs, the Deloitte's, the Bain, the influencers, the Simon Sinek's, nothing against Simon Sinek, but they have the influence and the voice and the relevance in the marketplace. I think because at times we haven't clearly made sense. It, yeah. You know, those are some of the, the thought leaders slash influencers that I have been most impressed with. People like Dan Pink, who, yeah. you know, he doesn't do the research, but he translates the research so well into bite-sized practical tips to make not just your leadership better, but your, your life better. Yeah. Professional life. Yeah. And then when you have like an Adam Grant, who's an insane translator and an awesome academic, right? That's, that's a really powerful combination. And those are a lot of my really favorite guests, those folks who have the PhD and have the degree, but they're working at Intel or they're working at an organization and really trying to operationalize some of this. I mean, I just really enjoy those conversations. So let let me ask you, were there were there any folks who, as you interviewed them, made some controversial assertions, things that um, kind of took you by surprise? How'd you react to that? How'd you personally process it? You know, I, I don't... I haven't found myself really in in controversial situations. I mean, there's there's been guests with pretty strong opinions about certain leaders, and there's been there's been guests who feel strongly about certain things. And it was interesting. I actually had one listener say, "Hey, would you put a disclaimer on your show notes, just suggesting that these guests do not represent truth?" So you might notice around episode, I don't know, 128, there started to become a disclaimer because this person's assertion was, look, all over the world, people might listen to your podcast and assume that some of these perspectives are truth. So that was interesting. Very interesting. You know, there have been a couple people who I just love, you know, Snowden and Boone would be in this category, Henry Mintzberg, Kathy Allen. They're just, they're at 50,000 feet. And they're seeing things in such beautiful, fascinating ways. And I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not there yet. It, it's a lot of fun to kind of exist in that space. And I jokingly say this sometimes, Tony, but this is a little secret for listeners. If you ever want to know that if, if Scott really knows what's going on in the conversation, you, you'll know that I have no clue what's going on if I say, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> The classic yeah. professor trick. That, that, mean, that means, you know, I'm talking to Elena from Western Ontario and uh, and uh, Western University in Ontario, and she's she's at fifty thousand feet, and I'm I'm swimming. But you know, Mintzberg, his whole the episode was called "What's Dumbing Us Down," and he's just thinking about things at such a macro level, and really our how how our society is out of balance. And then you have you have Kathy Allen. And she really is just such a wonderful thinker that I really, really, it was, I think it was episode number two, but she's challenging us, you know, do an audit of the theories that you're teaching. Are they whole system frameworks? And any theory implies that you can control the outcome as a theory whose time is past. I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, 
So I think controversial, I mean, I'm sure some things have been said where certain factions of listeners didn't agree. And that's, I think that's, hopefully we can create that space for dialogue. But I think for me, it's these these large systems level. And Mary Olbean, that that conversation around complexity, uh, Willie Donaldson around complexity. I still don't have a grasp of that whole area. I just don't. Have you thought about changing up some of the formats so that maybe you did have a panel discussion or a you know just an open conversation versus uh, you know interviewing an expert, so to speak? Yeah, I I would totally be open to it. I think it's, you know, Barbara Kellerman sometimes nudges me and says, okay, where's this going, Scott? <laughs> so, you know, and I, I have to say to her, I, I don't have that clarity yet. I'm still kind of searching and trying to, I guess, in some ways, you know, Josh Lindblom, it was a wonderful conversation. And he said, you know, leaders sometimes are kind of two steps ahead in the fog. And that was a phrase he used that just really stood out in a nice way. But it's almost as if I'm still trying to kind of figure out the corners of the room and feeling my way around the topic and getting to some saturation. So I feel like I have a lot more of that in me. But I I have thought, Jonathan and I, Jonathan Reams and I recorded an episode this morning. It'll be out in the next episode where he kind of did an adult development 101 and that was really cool to just hear. I mean, I would love to hear Susan Komovez talk about, uh, give her lecture. I mean, that would be really mm-hmm. cool. Or Ron mm-hmm. Riggio or Bruce Avolio to, to, to hear how they talk about transformational leadership. That would be so cool. And so there's these, or Ira Chalef talking about how he does a one-hour talk on followership. That would be awesome. What's, what's the Greek word for essence? Maybe that's the new series. Ooh. You see, now you're taking me to like Greek again. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> you can go Latin too if you want, I guess. Or, you know, we, maybe we actually expand it out from the Western canon, get away from the Greek and Latin. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah. Which takes us to Shelley Spiller. I mean, there's a quote that she said on the podcast, which just really, that was one of those moments that just kind of. You know, she said, I adamantly believe we cannot shoehorn indigenous leadership theory into Western theories. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's just a whole other way of thinking that I don't know that we in the West have an appreciation for. I don't mean that in a mean spirited way. I just, I I haven't been, I haven't been exposed to it. I don't, I don't, but I'm excited to. But again, that's a whole nother nook and cranny. I mean, I just told you, I know. Not enough about adult development. I know not enough about complexity theory. I know not enough about indigenous ways of knowing, right? I think so we I might be lot, so I gotta stay curious here, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you uh do you have a couple of uh sleeper awards? So in your in your ongoing quest to expand your perspectives and your horizons and peek into these nooks and crannies of leadership application and such. Are there some episodes that you heard and then they just kept rolling around in your head? You just kept thinking about them and seeing them differently. You know, I don't know that I, I don't know. I would use the phrase sleeper in that, you know, uh, but there are, there are episodes that I keep coming back to in my mind. There's phrases that people have used and maybe we can get there. 
quotes. You had one of those quotes that just really frame how I see things now. Just those moments that I was like, oh my gosh, wow. But there's episodes, again, Josh Lindblom, uh, MLB pitcher who was had a pitch come back at him. And I think it might've been in his sixth or seventh season, didn't have a college degree and literally has spent every season doing undergrad, grad, and now started a PhD. And wow. while so he will play a game because he works second shift three to 11 and go home and write a paper in the hotel room. Wow. I mean, it's just, so, and he was just dropping little phrases throughout that episode that just really, really, and while we stay on the theme of, of baseball, you know, the Cleveland Guardians baseball team, they went through a name change and unfortunately they just lost to the, to the Yankees recently. Sorry about that. But, you know, that conversation with Brian Barron about kind of stepping into that space of engaging and changing the name. And he knew exactly what he was walking into. And you know what? He is just an incredible, incredible leader. And that, that was just such an interesting display of someone stepping into something that is better for the whole, more sustainable, a long-term decision, but a decision that he knew would inflame certain factions of people, but doing, I think, the right thing and making a difference. And I think that was a really, really powerful conversation. And going back to Shelley Spiller, you know, again, that quote that she used about not shoehorning indigenous leadership theory into Western theories, the best mm-hmm. they can do is kind of illuminate some aspects. Well, wow, that that tells me there's a whole world there. And she was talking about how a river in New Zealand had been granted personhood and had the rights of a person. And so it's just, a, a I'm so excited to learn more about yeah. uh, Maori culture and other indigenous ways of knowing. I've had a few folks on the podcast who helped me better understand some of that. And then there's other people that have been doing the work. So Beth Zemsky, she has been an activist in the LGBTQ plus community since the late seventies and has just been engaged in that work and powerful, powerful stories. Or Sarah Safari, who for listeners, please listen to that episode with Sarah. I just got Sarah she's in Nepal. We're hopefully going to record something in the next couple of months because she, you know, she's had some new adventures and there was a wonderful, powerful, horrific documentary that was just released on Netflix called Aftershock, which is a story about the 2015 avalanche that she speaks of in our episode. And this is now a visual representation of that. So, Wow. I mean, some of these people engaging in this work and and there's real danger there. Gail Hickman talking about how she wants to sit it on the stool at the diner because she can now and mm-hmm. not telling her parents, but wanting to do that. I mean, just powerful stories, but anyone yeah. doing the work, right? I mean, those are kind of the stories that really stand out for me. As you interviewed some of these practitioners, you know, clearly you chose them for a reason because of their impact or because of some of the things that they may have said or approaches that they're taking that are are interesting or unique. Did you find at certain points that they were finding illumination in the conversation 
they became a more reflective practitioner because of their presence on the podcast? Well, I, I think for some of them, the mission is so front and center mm-hmm. that that I don't know that they necessarily identify as, you know, quote unquote a, a leader. I mean, I think probably cognitively they do, but I don't I don't know that they they take on that identity. And so I it's just it's interesting. They they're just passionate and they want to make a difference and they're willing to put in the time to make that difference. That you know, sense? that that is a that is a huge insight for leadership educators right there, right? To say, look, at the end of the day, <clears throat> after all these activities and all these theories and all these little wisdom drops, what's your passionate vision? What are you going to go after? What's going to drive you? And you'll find a way around the different obstacles. You'll find a way to bring in the maximum value of the individuals working with you and the communities working with you. That That's really fascinating. I was having this conversation with someone recently. It was in the middle of the pandemic and my family was around the, the dining room table and we were having dinner again because <laughs> we had dinner every night <laughs> and lunch and breakfast. But it just kind of came to me. It was like, look, we're all kind of placed on this earth and probably three things. Can you can you find your place? Can you find your people? And can you find your your passion or your purpose? And some of us are not dropped in the best of spots. And we have to go on this search to find some of those three things. And I think oftentimes, I don't know, I mean, it'd be really interesting to to research is, is part of the challenge we have around anxiety and some of the challenges we have from a mental health standpoint, because large factions of people don't feel like they're surrounded by people, a place or a purpose that helps them thrive and live into who they should be. So when you talk with these people where there's just jet fuel, Sarah is willing to climb the seven highest summits, the first Iranian to climb the seven highest summits. And she doesn't identify as a climber. I hope she does now, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) she's kind of done it, (laughs) but she's passionate about women's equality and helping Nepali girls live a better life and become educated. That's her thing. And she raised a dollar for every foot that she climbed to help support them. Let's, let's drop some wisdom here. Okay. So you've been talking about how all these folks have been <laughs> some practical wisdom, Tony, or some you practical to... wisdom. Yeah. Sophia. So yeah. okay. Let, let's talk about some wisdom drops. We'll we're, we'll divide it up into some different segments here, and let's start with with aspiring leaders. Okay. Would I say to aspiring leaders? What would you say to an aspiring leader? Somebody who is, let's say, a high schooler, or undergrad, or somebody newly moving into a leadership position. So I would say read Jay Conger's book, The High Potential's Advantage. That would be one way of answering that question. I would also encourage them to systematize their learning. How are they staying in a continuous place of learning and development and growth, right? Yep, you're holding up High Potential's Advantage right now. I love it. I love it. Fascinating conversation with him. But I think systematize your learning and have that be one of the first things you read. Or listen to your learning. I love it. What about uh, veteran leaders? Because we get a lot of folks who, you know, they hit a point in their career where they're ready for the next level. The Marshall Goldsmith, what got you here won't get you there. Are you staying in a place of learning and staying curious about some of the data that's coming back at you so that you can stay agile, stay nimble and adapt 
to go to some Ron Heifetz there? Are you engaging in adaptive leadership or are you kind of stuck in your own predefined ways of being? That's what I would you, say you, to the veterans with confidence. You do you do realize <laughs> you're going to have about 800 links at the end of this podcast for people to go back and look stuff up. No, <laughs> they're going to have to dig. <laughs> how, about, how about just general leadership practitioners? So not brand new, not veteran, just everyone in the middle, the middle management gang. I said this a little bit earlier. My Some of my favorite conversations, Sarah Safari, she's a, a woman with this intense passion but she's a PhD. And I think that's a powerful combination. So for practitioners, spend some time with some scholars, learn some of that leadership theory. There's some really, really cool stuff out there for you to engage with. And I think this podcast is a nice primer for some of that knowledge. And for scholars, I think they need to spend more time with practitioners. I think Mm -hmm. we are too far from the work. I'm saying in, in quotes, the work. You know, imagine if physicians weren't actually in hospitals doing research. They were just kind of off to the side. I, I don't know that that would be as effective. And so I'm, I'm anticipating a collective. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it just makes no sense. And so I think as, as academics, we aren't embedded in the context enough and we aren't close to the work some of the time, which I think personally is where we create space for places like Gallup, KPMG, McKinsey to enter that space. They have PhDs, they have people doing research, they know how to create a beautiful marketing piece and they in the minds of practitioners become more relevant at times. Not always, but at times. And so are we staying close to practitioners and the work? That's that's some great wisdom. So was it practical wisdom group. though, Tony? Was it practical? It, it it is, but now I'm going to go uber practical on you. So okay. you know I'm new to Florida, <laughs> and and we just moved here three months ago, and I've had a pretty steady series of contractors to the house to do a variety <laughs> okay. of, of jobs, and I, I love to chat with these folks about what they do, where they're from, what they you know how they got into it, and I'm probably distracting and annoying them, but. Many of them belong to Chamber of Commerce or they belong to like guilds, I guess we'll call it, for lack of a better term, where sure. they they help each other out with all sorts of not just referrals, but management challenges. And I wonder what kind of wisdom we can offer basically the small business owner, the small contractor, the, the individual who's not part of the corporate massive structure where they have their own built-in training systems and can pay you know, tens of thousands of dollars to bring in experts or individuals who are so embedded in this field, like scholars and and leadership educators, there's that that's the critical mass of individuals who find themselves in a leadership position Mm. and may not know it. Yeah. May not identify as, as a leader may not identify as. Yeah. So is the question there, what would I recommend to them? Yeah. A little wisdom drop for that group. Or maybe we're not there yet. Well, no, I, I think, I think, you know, my grandfather was uh, an electrician in Iowa at Hormel. And he <laughs> mm-hmm. didn't have a high school education, but spent his whole life working at Hormel and made a good living and voraciously read Time and Popular Mechanics 
and we would walk around their house and there would be those types of magazines and he was voracious about his learning he was curious so again whether it's a podcast or whether it's audiobooks that you can listen to in the truck or as you're doing your work i think there's so many opportunities and and so much learning has been democratized the challenge is it's almost overwhelming the amount that's out there so where do i begin but if you begin with things like with individuals like adam grant or some other folks of that nature you mentioned dan pink there's some interesting folks who i think are doing a nice job of translating like you said and dropping really important nuggets whether you like to read or listen short form long form there's just a lot out there that i think is accessible so i know we're coming up on time here so let me ask you two last questions what's trending what's the next thing in the world of leadership that's going to help practitioners help educators help researchers given what you've talked to individuals about I think one, I don't know that this is trending, Tony. I feel like I'm not answering any of the things that have your phrasing. And maybe I'm being a politician right now. I'm just kind of <laughs> turning around and answering the question I want to answer. But I don't know that this is trending. I think it should be a trend. And there's an article by Leroy in the Journal of Leadership and Organizational Studies recently called Walking Our Evidence-Based Talk, The Case of Leadership Development in Business Schools. and it's by Leroy and a whole bunch of other authors, but it's a really, it's a little bit of a taking to task. If you look at the top 25 colleges of business, you can see leadership. It's more of a marketing kind of term than it is a true commitment to developing leaders at times, not always, but at times. Not at Florida. <laughs> not at Florida, <laughs> other schools, right? <laughs> But again, I mean, it's like having, we create pilots and then having one class on piloting. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I don't know. It's just interesting. I mean, and I get that people could be defining what makes a leader in different ways and all of that. But I really do think, how are we, how are we justifying the, the billions of dollars that be, are being spent in corporations, in higher education? And are we really truly working to build initiatives that are evidence-based and that are gathering data to help us learn? And that's hard work. I mean, that's longitudinal studies. That's really, really intentional design from an adult learning perspective. That's mixed methods. It's quantitative. It's qualitative. But are we upping our game when it comes to our talk, right? That should be a trend. That should be a trend. And I'll make sure that there's a link to that article or at least the location of that article in the show notes because I think it's important. I really do. And we're doing a little bit of that in the collegiate leadership competition. We're dipping our toes. It's not enough. But who's really going to break through and do start doing some really cool work that really starts to, in a robust way, show growth, show development, right? And from a few different lenses, right? Not only right. cognitive, but skill-based, humanistic. Well, and at the individual level and the organizational level, team yep. level. Interesting. Yep. So last question is this. What's next for Scott Allen, podcaster extraordinaire? 150 a episodes. A phone call with the student at 3 o'clock. <laughs> 
<laughs> so we got to get off in four Yes, minutes. ladies and gentlemen, the exciting life of Scott Allen, leadership educator. <laughs> that is what's now. Now I have three minutes. No, I mean, I think I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep keep on keeping on. Obviously, with everything opening up, it's a little bit more difficult to prioritize the four hours, probably a week that it takes to record, produce, show notes, transcript. I mean, I put it in in a system and it gives me a transcript, but it's, you know, that's a half hour project in and of itself just to get it to a B. <laughs> so well, good enough it, is to be great. <laughs> so, no, it's been a lot of fun. And, you know, uh, Tony, again, like some, some things that people have said have just it's been so much fun. It really has. And and we didn't get to it. Maybe we'll do that for episode 300. But there's just these nuggets, whether Chip Shoba, who said, look, this is a mountain without a top. This was personal development domain. Or you saying, I don't know better. I know different. And when you're talking about how you enter the space with your students, just love that. Or Sean Hanna saying, look, ethics is a team sport. Oof. Wow, that's just such a cool, or Doug Lindsay, he shared with me that Bob Hogan quote, who you are is how you lead. I, there was a session the other day I was in at, a, at an organization in my community and I, I gave that quote and someone looked back at me and said, oh, we could also say how you lead is who you are. <laughs> and I kind of went into this time warp. I was like, ooh, I don't know if that's different or the same thing. I'm trying to figure this out. <laughs> Robert Livingston, one one final quote. I mean, it yes. was just this one. Just we were talking about. We were talking. His book is called "The Conversation," and it's really, in many ways, about how we discuss important, critical issues, especially around like racism and such. And he said, you know, when it comes to performing mental gymnastics, most of us are Olympic athletes. And wow, how true is that? Right? Wow. Yeah. How true is that? I mean, so it's just our our natural capacity to take what we experience in the world and fit it into the way we see the world. Yep. I mean, we're we are Olympic athletes at that. Yep. Which leads to all the biases that get us in trouble. Yep. Well, Tony, I hope I hope this has given you something of what you were looking for. I'm, I'm sure this gave the listeners lots of interesting directions to think about and you know, honestly, you have done a lot of hard work for all of us. You've done all the hours of listening and transcribing and posting so that we could benefit and we could take this and the field further and, and make a difference. So thank you, sir. 150. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. I'll see you at 300. Want to do it again? Check is in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my friend, it's 259. All I right. Get going. Take care. care. It's good talking to you. Bye-bye. There is not a ton more to add to that episode. I guess maybe a heartfelt thank you that you have made it this far, that you have uh, joined me on this journey of having conversations with very, very interesting people from all over the world. And another heartfelt thank you to Tony. As I mentioned, just a great friend, a mentor, and a co-author. We have a textbook coming out, a second edition of a textbook coming out with some colleagues, Mindy McNutt and Jim Morrison, in February 2023. I think that's the date. So thank you to Tony so much for taking the time to have that conversation. And staying curious, I looked it up. 
Eager to know or learn something. And something I know about you is that you are that. And thank you for staying curious. Thanks for checking in. As always, thanks for listening. And thanks for being a part of this process of better understanding this phenomenon we call leadership. It's something so much fun to be curious about because it's all around us and it has such a major impact on our world. And if we can better understand it, and if we can better understand how to help people be more effective when serving in these sometimes gnarly, challenging roles, maybe we can help the world be a better place. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Be well. See you next time. You have just finished another episode of Practical Wisdom for Leaders with Scott Allen. To contact me, visit www.scottjallen.net or send me a note at scott at scottjallen.net. I can also be found on Twitter and LinkedIn, so let's connect. Now, if you have feedback, I'd love to hear it. And as always, thank you so much for listening. One final nod to our sponsors, the International Leadership Association and the Bowler College of Business at John Carroll University. And now, here's Kate's twin sister, Emily, with the outro. You've been listening to Phronesis, Practical Wisdom with Scott Allen.